welcome to ESPN's The Far Post podcast. The Matildas are through to the quarterfinals, setting up a date with Great Britain on Friday night, and we are very, very excited about it. It came after a scoreless draw against the USA in the final game of the group stage. Mary Fowler had Australia's best chance. Her header hit the crossbar. Alex Morgan had a header that was ruled out with offside, but... Ultimately, the teams could not be split, whether that was because they were going at each other or just not doing anything. That's for you to decide, but it's a pretty obvious answer. But to talk about the game ahead of the quarterfinals, it's me, Marissa Lordanik, Sam Lewis, Angela Christian-Wilkes and Anna Harrington. So let's crack into the game. I think we need to start, first of all, with the fact that we progressed. We are through to the quarterfinals. We've made it out of the group stage I think that's a big tick for a lot of people considering kind of where we were ahead of this tournament. So really, really stoked that we have progressed to the knockout stages. But let's talk about this game because I don't know about you guys. I thought it was, like it was bizarre. Even if we knew what was kind of going on, it was a bizarre one to watch. So, Sam, I know you've written heaps about it. Kind of give us the too long didn't read summary of this game. Yeah, I, okay, so context we we didn't really need anything from this game and neither did the USA really. What we needed because by virtue of where we were sitting in our group and by virtue of where other teams were in their groups and the kinds of games that they would be playing after us, we actually didn't really need to do much. We just needed to get through this game without any serious injuries to manage some player loads and to sort of skate through. So the, the discourse that has sort of come out the back of this game has been so interesting to me because it has sort of shown the divide between people who watch football for entertainment and football that is like people's jobs and wanting to get far in tournaments. Sometimes those two things don't mesh. Sometimes tournament football is really boring because what teams actually need to do is just get a result and to get through to the next stage. Um, ideally you'd like to fall somewhere in the middle where you have a really entertaining game where a team is able to do the thing that they need to do and get through to the next level. But sometimes that doesn't happen and that's fine. And I think it's also really important that we keep in mind that this is the US women's national team, everyone. Remember them? They won the Women's World Cup and almost all the players that they fielded against Australia won the Women's World Cup. They started in that game against the Netherlands in that final. Like this is nothing to to turn our noses up at. We, we drew against the US Women's National Team. This was an extraordinary thing for us to do, especially coming off a really bumpy preparation period, coming off zero wins in five friendly games in the lead up to Tokyo and coming off two games in the space of a week with a lot of these players probably already starting to feel the burn and be quite exhausted and fatigued. So the fact that we were not only able to get a draw, but we were able to dominate the game in the ways that we did, we had twice as much possession as they did, more shots, more, but we basically dominated every statistical category outside of goals and maybe like one or two different things here or there. Like this was a really impressive performance. And I, so I'm really like sort of confused why people were like, that was shit. Cause you know, it was boring and it maybe wasn't the kind of Matildas that we have come to know over in recent years, but we got a result against a really good side and that's all that we needed to do. I think there's a bit of recency bias as well, Sam, that like that the last 20 minutes, both teams sat back and I saw the Simpsons gif come out a lot. Before that was a pretty gripping contest, I thought. Like both teams had chances. Look at that Juliet's challenge just before half time on Sam Kerr. Kristen Press had heaps of chances, but 
just felt like her radar was a bit off. Like there were no shortage of chances. And I'm going to have to go through my photo archive, Sam, and find the look at us photo again. Because I agree absolutely Good with thought. everything you've just said. This tournament of football, like going into that match, we weren't a certainty of progressing. Like we were a very good chance, even if we lost, but we weren't certain. And you look at the results, they were quite cagey. But uh, if we'd, I think if we'd lost and Chile had won, they would have been above us on points. Japan obviously would have if they did win. And Zambia only lost to Brazil 1-0. China just fluffed it because their tournament's been a nightmare. But we were no certainties going into this match. Um, it's, it's an interesting one because I think uh, Australian football fans, especially ones that tune in, I think, just for big tournaments, they want to see us go for it. They want to see us take it up to teams. They want to see us really go for it, especially when they feel like the game is on the line, there's a possible result there, uh, which there was. Maybe if we'd gone for it, we might have snatched a win. But would we have also seen scathing criticism if we'd gone for it and copped one, two, three goals? Yes, absolutely. If we'd lost and then the other results hadn't gone our way and we'd been knocked out before even reaching the quarterfinals, people would have been far more furious than they were um, at what we saw on the pitch. I think I can understand um, people wanting to see, I guess, the identity of this team going forward. I think people want to see the Matildas play attacking football, take it up to teams. We saw them do that against Sweden. They went the effectively the shootout option and came up short. We know that they're willing to do this, and I think we will see that in the quarterfinal. I don't see us trying to play a stodgy game style against Team GB and hoping that'll see us through. But as you mentioned, Sam, they probably needed to manage some players. I shudder to think what Claire Polkinghorne's legs are feeling like after three games in a row in the heat. Um, they brought in Alana Kennedy, which was a really good move. It was just very well done tactically. And I also thought you mentioned the USA, Sam, about how ominous they are. And I thought Tony's quote, on, I guess, deploying a low block was very good in that sense. You saw a team today that pressed aggressively every time we could, but we were also good in our lower block when we needed. And when you play the US, you need to be humble enough to understand that sometimes you need to sit in a low block as well. Respecting the opponent, I don't think Tony expected the USA to be as negative and defensive and sitting back as much as they did. I have no idea why they didn't press us in the last 20 minutes. They brought on Lynn Williams, who is like one of the fastest players in the world and is perfect for the pressing game. And she also just sat off. So I, I didn't really understand that. But they've got a point, job done, clean sheet against one of the most formidable attacks in the world. And at the end of the day, they're through. Very little damage done. I think they'll be happy with how that's turned out. That's a, an interesting point you made, Harrow, particularly around the idea of identity, because I, I think that I fall into this kind of discourse as well a little bit where I'm like, well, what is the identity of the Matildas? What do we want them to be? What do we, how do we want them to play? And this was the kind of game where I think it has shown a lot of people, including me, that identity of this team is something that is fluid. It's something that changes. It's something that responds to different circumstances. It's not always one thing all the time. And I think trying to sort of box ourselves into a single one-track attack-minded identity prevents us from being able to go into games like this where perhaps that identity is not going to be productive. You know, if we had gone, as you mentioned, Harry, if we had gone all out attack against the US team, I feel like we would have copped a lot. 
because going out in that way and bombing on and doing all the stuff that we have come to know the Matildas are, are quite good at doing, it also leaves us vulnerable in particular moments. And the US are the kind of team who a thousand percent would capitalize on those vulnerabilities, just like Sweden did, you know? And so that Sweden game, I think, was an interesting sort of midpoint between New Zealand and the USA in the sense of that exploration of this sort of flexible identity that the Matildas are building, because it was halfway between that that sort of uh, high pressing, high energy attack minded football, while also starting to realize when and like the, the particular kinds of moments when that is valuable and when you need to be patient. Um, it didn't quite work out for us in that sense, but I feel like we learned from that and we were able to come into this USA game much more uh, mature and wiser and knowing that this is the kind of team with the kind of weapons who if we made those naive decisions again, would absolutely, you know, dominate. So, yeah, I'm, I think overall I, I was really impressed. And I think that this was the performance that a lot of people maybe needed to see from the Matildas. They needed to see that we could close out a game against a top dog team like this because these are the kinds of opponents that we're going to be coming up against later on in the tournament. And so particularly given all the questions we've had about the Matilda's defense, you know, keeping a clean sheet against the US. It's, you know, nothing to sniff at. I spoke to, I've mentioned before that I spoke to Tony pre-tournament. One thing he talked about, and I know we didn't win last night, it was a draw, was finding a way to win, get a result when you're not necessarily playing at your best. Um, not that we didn't play well last night, but I think that underlines the mentality. It's about getting results. They got a result. They got the result that they needed. Uh, I think that's what we're going to see more and more. He acknowledged that, especially in tournament football, you're not always going to be playing your best. You're not always going to be dominating a game, but you have to work out a way to get the job done. And that's something that clearly has been a hallmark of the US Women's National Team for a very long time. You look at them in tournaments, but I guess the 2016 Olympics, but their two World Cups especially, there were games where they were jammy or they were, you know, just gritted their way through or they fought through a nil-all draw and then just popped up for a goal. And we've seen them do it against us as well, like just pop up for goals here and there. When Lindsay Horan came on the field, I was like, oh, God, she's going to score a header. Uh, she did get that header that she put well off target. But you always have to be aware against them. And they are the sort of team where, and when it click, clicked over to sort of four minutes of stoppage time, you're like, you make the wrong call here. You turn it over when you need to play a bit smarter then you cop a late goal and imagine how demoralizing that would have been. So yeah, wasn't the most exciting game. I, I think we can all agree, especially the last 20 minutes, but job done. They'll be happy with it. And it looks like out of the game, we haven't come out of the game with any injuries. We saw Sam Kerr and Ellie Carpenter both get treatment, both played out the game. So in that sense, they get a few days now to rest, go hard at team GB. That's what I'm expecting. And I think that's what everyone's going to expect because we got, we got nothing to lose now, but I think we had to get out of the group stage. I did want to just mention another quote that kind of speaks to Sam's point about fluidity. Tony Gustafson was quoting Charles Darwin uh, post-match apparently as well and said, this is me paraphrasing here, but that the, the team that will survive is the one that can adapt. And I think that throughout the three games of this group stage, we have shown that we can adapt, we can dominate kind of like we did against New Zealand we can defend and attack simultaneously like Sweden and we can do things against the US as well so I think that was both very you know kind of deep thinking from Tony but also completely accurate I did also think it was super interesting that Alex Morgan basically said uh, post-match that 
their game plan, the US's game plan was to sit back against us and force us into making an error and then they were going to pounce on that. So I thought that was a really interesting way to set up against Australia. It doesn't feel like the US should have been sitting back against us. That's not how this usually goes down. So really interesting, like just a really fascinating game for especially the football nerds who really overthink tactics and things of that nature. But let's talk about some of the players. They, a lot of players had really sensational performances in the green shorts of Australia. Angela, which player did you like the look of? I actually kind of dug Alana Kennedy's performance. Um, She didn't give me any panic attacks and I appreciated that. So yeah, and it was really good to actually see her play out a full game in um, as like a, a center in the center back role. Um, and I, I do wonder if that was a, a deliberate choice by Gustafsson to manage her earlier on in the tournament so that she would be able to do that for you know from the outlook what was going to be a very big game, regardless of the other results. So yeah, I really dug her Fowler. Like can't go wrong with Fowler. Just blows my tiny mind how young she is and how well she has done at this tournament so far. Um, and I think the other thing, like we talked about Kaya Simon a lot, but one thing I sort of not realize I don't know if that's the right word, but she's scary, and I think I really like that because at the moment we sort of have Sam Kerr and she's very scary um, to defences. But Kaya Simon brings a little bit of that as well. And she did bring, I think she did show a little bit of that this game, not as much as the other games, but that's a really exciting thing to have in our front line. So, yeah, those, I I mean, also I could go on. Van Egmond had a great game. I thought she was um, very composed and we really needed that. That was overall as well was the composure in our defence, which is something that, um perhaps we've lacked previously especially in those friendlies leading up to the olympics so all really big positives like like you guys said this is this is not wasn't a bad result wasn't a bad performance either um and a lot of good things to be taken from that so yeah they're, they're, those are my my faves speaking of sort of adaptability i think the player that i was most impressed by was ellie carpenter uh, I know that I've sort of been maybe one of the biggest skeptics when it comes to using Ellie Carpenter as a centre-back, but I think that her progress under Tony has really, uh, it, it's, it's sort of a really nice microcosm of the kind of larger project that Tony is exercising with this team, using players in different kinds of ways that maybe fans are not used to, but in ways that are actually genuinely benefiting the team. Like the fact that Ellie Carpenter, who is still 20 years old, kept Megan Rapino in her pocket for the vast majority of that game is so impressive. And I know that Megan Rapino is maybe not at top form right now, coming off a, a bit of a rocky season domestically and, and all that sort of stuff. And maybe she's sort of getting towards the end of her international career as well. So she's maybe not thinking about trying to, to do particularly well either. But it was still so fabulous to see that and I think Carpenter even though she does offer so much going forward there are moments like this game and for the Matildas more generally there are moments like this game where you do need to compromise on the things that you are exceptional at in order to be something foundational and something solid for the rest of the team and I think that Carpenter really epitomized that in the USA game Um, she was solid defensively in a way that I don't think she has necessarily been in major tournaments before. 
Um, she timed her her sort of runs forward very, very well. She was a lot smarter in her decision-making. She was really controlled on the ball. Um, and she was really strong and powerful in, in one-on-one moments where she did have to defend, particularly in moments where she was the last defender. So yeah, I, w- I was so impressed by Carpenter and the way that she is adding so many more strings to her bow, because we know that she's this fabulous fullback. She is the absolute quintessential attacking fullback and we love her for that. But there have always been questions about Carpenter's defensive capabilities. And I think that this is the tournament where she's starting to answer those. I think it's also the, the Leon effect, isn't it, Sam? Like you just get better at everything. And she just so solid and hard to push off the ball too. Is uh, I love that you mentioned the little battle with Megan Rapinoe because it's almost actually three years to the day where when the US drew one all with um, the Matildas and Rapinoe really, she had the absolute better of Ellie Carpenter that day. And after the match, she said, I'm not actually sure the strategy of, Carpenter and defending me I'd change it up if I was there she's young and maybe not as savvy as some defenders but I felt like she was just giving me too much of what I wanted and what was comfortable for me and so she just needs to switch that up a little bit I think her teammates will probably go back and tell her whenever we play her again to switch it up a little bit challenge accepted Megan (laughs) (laughs) because Ellie Carpenter did exactly that she just had it in full control as you said Sam in her pocket and um, she just keeps going from strength to strength um in terms of players, I love Chloe Legazzo coming in was just fantastic. Like when we saw the team lineup named, I think we talked when previewing this game or even just offline about Chloe Legazzo is the player that can run with anyone. She can go all day. She's tenacious. She's a big game player. She can get a shot away, but mostly it's that incredible engine to gut run back. I think we saw that value uh, in the eighth minute when Alex Morgan got away on the break. And I think a big reason why Tegan Micah was able to sort of back off and make a comfortable save was Chloe Legazzo just coming from the ether to, <laughs> to put pressure on Alex Morgan, who looked well and truly away to get properly one-on-one. I think she just got in and put enough pressure on her to, to make sure that Morgan just didn't quite have the composure she'd normally have. And that was also well done by Tegan Micah, who looked very composed, made the right decision to back off. And I think that's something she consistently did very well, was backing off and reading the play rather than over, I guess, over anticipating and coming off her line too much, which I think is the sort of thing that gives us nightmares. Um, I'll probably talk more about Micah, but very assured. So yeah, I thought Legazzo coming in was huge, gave that running capacity that we really needed. She played about 65, 70 minutes and just was sensational, like running everywhere, providing cover, tracking back. Um, we talked pre-game about how obviously having Ellie Carpenter at centre-back gave us that extra athleticism and pace, but having... Chloe Legazzo's speed and tenacity to cover in, in that defensive midfield role I thought was super important as well. And, of course, the other player who really who really impressed was Mary Fowler. Like, Caitlin Ford's out. We realised Caitlin Ford was out when the players were lining up in the tunnel to come out for the national anthems. You're like, oh, Mary Fowler's there. Something's happened. And then you're counting the players and you're like, oh, Caitlin Ford's not there. And this is a huge opportunity for Mary Fowler. And to her credit, she was one of the shining lights. She just looked dangerous. She was everywhere. She was combining. She had that looping header, hit the crossbar, constantly causing problems. Um, In the the second half early on, we saw Kai Simon slip that ball through to her where she sort of took a shot, had it blocked, went again, and then just put that one off target. But she, we've talked about this. She just looks like a player that can make things happen whenever she's on the ball or around the ball. And it just feels like with every game, she's growing in confidence. 
She's actually gaining the confidence of her teammates. They know she's going to do the right thing, make the right decisions. And uh, we talked before as well about how her work rate defensively has really improved. There are a couple of moments again last night when we saw her do the hard running, do the pressing to, to force the ball out or to break down an attack. And yeah, that's, that's really exciting. And Marissa mentioned the, the Darwin quote from Tony Gustavs, and that was actually in as an answer, a response to a question about Mary Fowler. And he basically said that, you know, as a young player, it was super impressive. She found out she was going to play five minutes before they went out to the lineup. She didn't actually get a a proper warm-up as a starter in that sense. Like she wasn't warming up with the starters. She was warming up with the subs. Gets the message, basically said, okay, I'll do it. And he said for a young player to do that just shows that she has that mental strength. So, yeah, fantastic. Mary Fowler going from strength to strength. Yeah, you love to see it, don't you? I think, yeah, it was, we had spoken kind of pre the USA game about what changes could be made, what kind of differences would be made to this lineup. And although none of us kind of expected the, the Fowler change, and to be fair, neither did she until she was literally told five minutes out from starting, she didn't miss a beat at all. So I think it was really good that we did get to see some rotation um also with Alana Kennedy and Ivy Lewick Ivy Lewick now has you know a few days rest in her legs so hopefully we can see her back bossing it in the midfield against Team GP we will also just note that so no Caitlin Ford during that game the Matilda said that it was a more precautionary thing she felt something in her legs so decided to you know under medical advice just kind of pull her out of it and Hayley Razo wasn't on this in the squad at all so hopefully there's nothing too serious there but we will find out on Friday night when the teams are announced for the GB game. Did we want to talk about the USA because like on the one hand the Matildas I think manage this game very well but on the other hand I feel like the USA are not themselves right like the reaction from so many of the journos over there are just like who is this team we do not recognize this style of play you mentioned it before harrow as well like bringing us a, a player like lynn williams on who has a very particular set of skills skills that she absolutely could have used to exploit us in so many ways but she was reined in by this system that Vladko was asking them to execute. And there was a, a moment where the camera uh, panned to Alex Morgan after she'd been substituted off sitting on the bench and just like very gently shaking her head because she did not seem satisfied by the way that the USA were playing. And I'm, I mean, maybe it's a similar kind of thing, right? Vladko is just wanting this team to manage their way through that particular game and that particular point of the tournament in order to get through to the knockout stages. And if that were the case, I don't think anyone would necessarily blame him for that. doesn't mean it doesn't feel bad in a very similar way to people watching the Matildas. It's like, yeah, like they got the job done, but it still was like, yeah, it wasn't great. I think Tony was more surprised than anyone, Sam, in the press conference. Um, he, he basically said, like, from the first minute they were communicating to players that the US had changed to a 4-4-2, like, um, been more defensive. And he was also surprised that they didn't press as aggressively as he's used to seeing them do. He said they were a bit passive in their pressing and he's used to seeing them be very, very aggressive. So he was a bit stunned by the way the US went about it. And it from what Vlaka and Donovsky and Alex Morgan were saying, the plan was to, one, not cop a goal and to 
maybe try and force Australia to turn over. We saw a few times where like Alessa Nair went the quick release and Tony mentioned this, they got on the break. Um, but to our credit, we actually covered those turnovers quite well, which is something I think we didn't really do in the previous two games and was actually a really big positive from our side, probably because they anticipated it, right? We, <laughs> we played a more speedy back line. We um, set up that same way. We had Chloe Legazzo going full energizer bunny, but it was just odd. Like I mentioned it before that that last 20 minutes, I was like, surely we're right for the picking here. Like you just go, we're trying to hang on, press hard, just go, 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 go for a little bit with players like Lynn Williams. See if one of those defenders has tired legs and just turns it over. Someone takes on the play when they shouldn't get them on the break. But we didn't see that. It was, it was very strange. I, I'd have thought they'd have wanted to snatch a win regardless. And the fact that they subbed on Carly Lloyd and Lynn Williams indicated that they were trying to pinch it. And Lindsay Horan indicated that they were trying to pinch at least a goal. But they seem just as content to sit back and do nothing for the last 20 as us. So, yeah, bizarre. And um, I think most of the questions in Tony's press conference were actually about the US rather than about the Matildas because the journos in the room, obviously majority American, were pretty stunned by what's been a pretty flat performance. Like, it's, it's very odd. And you wonder, are they saving it? Can they, are they going to kick into another gear come the knockouts? Or is this going to linger with them? Because it goes one or two ways, right? We've mentioned it with GB. You, you either kick into overdrive when, you know, things get tough and you, things are on the line, or you carry in that form. Which I think that's going to be the test for them now. I wonder if they anticipated, because Tony knows all these players so well, so they were like, let's play how he won't expect us to play, which is really badly. Um, and also... <laughs> It sort of feels like this whole team is like coming back from like a collective bout of food poisoning or something. Like we, Steph Yang talked about this, like something's off. What's, what's going on? And I, I do wonder at this point, because the US are, have, are usually such a resilient team and they're so confident. That's what everyone knows them for. And for a lot of, t- a lot of the time, what we dislike about them is that they're just like, we're the US, we're the big dogs. We're going to win. We've got that winning mentality, that sort of thing. But it's not there at the moment. So it will be really interesting to see how it plays out for the rest of the tournament because, like, pre like pre-Olympics, I was like, they're gold favourites. But at this point in time, I'm like, actually, I, are you are you going to – do you want a medal? Would you like a medal? Okay. <laughs> anyway, but, yeah, it was an interesting – yeah, very interesting game because – yeah, that we played well, but they were they were not on. The thing that I am so excited for is the USA versus the Netherlands quarterfinal. That is got because the form that the Netherlands are in coming through their group is just extraordinary. They finished the game last night against China eight two winners. They finished their game against Zambia ten three in the opening game, and their game against Brazil was three all which, you know, questions around the Netherlands' defence in a lot of ways, particularly letting a Zambia through you three times. Uh, but they, like, up in terms of their attack, there is no doubt that this Netherlands team are absolutely on fire. Miedemar is already breaking records, becoming, I think, the, the out-and-out sort of top goal scorer for a single Olympic tournament now with eight goals. 
uh, it's probably going to continue that against the USA if uh, their recent performances are anything to go by. So I'm like, I'm buzzing for this game because I reckon this is going to be the Netherlands cutting the US down and getting revenge for that Women's World Cup final loss because this, like when the Netherlands attack is on fire and the US going. Sam, two things. One, you'd hate to be China after that result. I can't believe you didn't snatch <laughs> my joke away is. from me. I had to go with it. Um, China also, what has happened there? They've just regressed massively since that game in Olympic qualifiers against Australia. Just shipped so many goals, did not deserve to progress. And I think there'll be some pretty heavy conversations when they get home. But I was also intrigued about the quote from Alex Morgan. Um, she basically said, this is where the real tournament starts. And like, what a way to kick into gear. Either way, you're going to see one of the USA or the Netherlands eliminated in the quarterfinals. Either way, a big dog is going to massively underachieve in this tournament. So that's super exciting. I mean, they're ripe for the picking the US, the way they've been playing lately. But we know that this is where they step up. They hate being underestimated. They love proving people wrong. And they just love winning. Like, So I'd be, I'm hesitant to say that the Netherlands are going to pull them apart. Form says they should because the USA have really only clicked against New Zealand. But you can never write them off. So I'm going to be super intrigued either way if they go out it's not going to be a sweden style uh scoreless draw with pens like when they went out in 2016 it's going to be end to end it's going to be thrilling it's going to be a belter um and also a, a little fun note is apparently a uh, friend of the pod dale said this the the gold medal match for women's football is scheduled for i think 11 a.m tokyo time 12 p.m um aest as in that game has been scheduled to be prime time in the US, they might not even be in that prime time game. It could be the Katie Ledecky losing to Ariane Titmus all over again. So, with all of us screaming around our rooms, just like Dean Boxall. Yes. <laughs> what a sight. I did just want to quickly know I like, I'm really excited for this game, but I'm also a little bit nervous about the Netherlands because I feel like they haven't been really challenged and when they were it was that draw with Brazil and their defense have been a bit which is they've lost a key like center back days out from the tournament so it's understandable but yes it it'll be interesting but but okay I'm just gonna descend into nervousness now like a chihuahua okay muted myself but let's talk about this Team GB game and what we're kind of expecting from it. We know Team GB topped the group, uh, was only really kind of challenged by Canada. We thought we were playing Canada for a good 20, 25 minutes until uh, Team GB found an equaliser which would keep them top of the group. But what are we expecting from us and what are we kind of expecting then from Team GB as well? I, would, I don't have much to say. I just hope that we really go at them because um, GB's sort of blind spot. They've got a bit of a leaky defence. Um, and so I think we can really exploit that. And I really hope that we come out um, guns blazing and go in for an attacking game and utilise 
occur. Um, so yeah, uh, I hope that's what's going to happen. I'm not entirely sure if that will happen. Sam, what do you reckon? I, I, I'm, I don't know. I'm kind of wondering if it's going to be a similar kind of jammy game because so many of these players are so familiar with each other, right? How many of them play against each other in Clubland at the moment? How many of them are all playing either with or against each other in the Women's Super League? I think that familiarity is a sort of a blessing and a curse because we know who their best players aren't. So we're going to be able to uh, make strategic decisions in order to shut down a Fran Kirby or an Ellen White. But at the same time, they know our best players as well. So they're going to know how to shut down a Sam Kerr and a Caitlin Ford. So maybe it might be a game for the, for the fringe players. It might be a game for the impact players, the subs, the players that some of these more regular starting players on either side are perhaps not as familiar with. So maybe someone like a Mary Fowler or an Emily Gilnick or an Ivy Lewick, you know, maybe they, or a Chloe Legazzo even to some extent, maybe those are the kinds of players who can make more of an impact because they are unpredictable and the other team doesn't really know how to, how to deal with that. But in terms of team GB, I think the, the sort of the overall vibe is that they haven't quite hit this, straps that they are maybe capable of hitting considering what they look like on paper. You know, these are some of the most impressive players in the world. Some of them have won, you know, medals and, and other kinds of major international awards over the last couple of years. And yet they don't really seem to have convinced in, in the games so far against any of their group opponents. So Canada was, was their biggest test and they only scraped through a, a one-all draw there and largely only because of the absolute brilliance of Caroline Weir and a very lucky deflection. So, yeah, I'm, I don't really know how to feel about this game. I'm kind of excited. I kind of want us to be able to play against GB in the same way we played against Sweden, to really be confident, to really go at them, to, to shock them because I don't feel like they have been shocked yet in the ways that I think the Matildas are capable of shocking a team. Yeah, fucking go at them. It's like, I think that's what everyone wants to see. Like, you look at the response to that USA game, I think what people wanted to see in that game is what we should see in this next one. Knockout football, got nothing to lose, everything to gain. We're the underdogs. Go at them. Take it, take it right up to them. What are what have we got to lose in the sense of doing that? No one wants to see Dow football. And I think that would actually play into their hands, a slower, more physical style of football. You look at those big, not lumbering, but like big centre-backs they've got. Let's use pace. Let's use guile. Let's um, see Steph Catley and if Caitlin Ford's fit, if she may play, if not Mary Felt, let's see them go toe-to-toe with Lucy Bronze down that wing. Make her accountable. Make them think about what's going on. Like, we should be using our explosiveness. I wonder if this is where you see a Kara Cooney cross um, thrown into the fray at some point just to, you know, scatter them a little bit. I, I think we should just be going at them. Like, I, I agree, Sam, that with both of you, actually, they feel like they're not quite hitting their straps as yet. Maybe I don't know how much Frank Kirby will be able to play. She sort of has just had little bench appearances after that pre-tournament knock. I think that's been a, a big loss for them creatively. But, yeah, uh, Really, a jammy deflected goal that Caroline Weir won um, was the only reason they finished top in the end. <laughs> like, they easily could have finished second. But yeah, I want to see us go at them. Like, absolutely nothing to lose, everything to gain. Let's play to our strengths. Um, if we can show some of the defensive fortitude we showed at times against Sweden that we showed the whole game against the US, that'll go a long way because we don't want to 
cop any jammy girls. If we can keep a tight leash on Kim Little as well, that'd be very nice. Otherwise, go at him. Let's, let's see if we can make a semi-final for the first time ever. Give everyone something to really talk about. I'm so excited to see Lucy Bronze and Ellie Carpenter on the same field playing at the same time. Oh That's, my God, yes. I don't think they'll be, they won't be playing on the same side, but like Leon's ex and current Leon, you know, fullbacks. But yeah, sorry, I'm just excited. I think this is going to be a really good game. And we haven't played team great. Marissa knows the, the facts, but we've never played them team GB and um it was a, quite a while ago that we last played England which is like 90% of this team but um anyway so yeah it's it's gonna be interesting um so I do yeah highly recommend like casual fans which I don't think casual fans listen to this podcast but like everyone should be tuning in for this po- like for this game I think it's gonna be it's gonna be rip, ripper Angela, who else are you keen to see from GB? I know you tend to watch them pretty closely. You had arguably less sleep than anyone in the country last year watching the FAWSL. Like you mentioned Lucy Bronze. Who else are you keen to see? Who else do we need to keep a, a leash on? Or, or who can we exploit? Like I'm, I'm curious. You've watched, as I said, probably more FAWSL than any of us combined. I think, uh, so Kira Walsh, I don't really know how I feel about her, but I feel like she's sneaky. And she's consistent and she doesn't get mentioned a lot. And I think that we will have to definitely keep an eye on her and not let her float about and do her thing because she's actually quite instrumental a lot of the time in things like the city, for example. She's very quiet, understated, but does a lot of work. Um, So that will be interesting. And who else am I excited to see? Lauren Hemp as well. Um, So friend of the pod, Ben Gilby, did a preview for beyond 90 for team GB and um he outlined why Lauren Hemp is someone to watch and to not you know not to underestimate Lauren Hemp um but yeah it's like Sam said there's so many quality players they just don't seem to have gelled um and we were talking pre-pod about like um team GB's midfield is probably their most comprehensive little unit and they are the players that usually don't play together so it's Kim Little, Caroline Weir and Sophie Ingle. Well and Kira Walsh as well. Yeah and so and so that's possibly where we're gonna get caught out and that's the scariest part of Kim Little. What a player. Oh my god what a player. Even though Team GB have been quite boring this tournament she's always interesting and so Kira Walsh watch out for her Lauren Hemp and just Kim Little never ever ignore Kim Little hopefully we can fluster into into just going for long balls to Ellen White because if they start doing that I reckon we've got them covered and can hit him on the counter because uh, offside trap because <laughs> oh, Ellen White doesn't know offside I can't believe we didn't talk about that in reviewing the game the one offside where I think it was Kelly O'Hara ended up squaring the ball and about six of them were offside in a line. <laughs> it was just very aesthetically pleasing. Obviously, those aren't the only quarterfinals. We'll run through them quickly. We've got the four games. So Team GB take on Australia. That will be 7 p.m. Eastern time, 6.30 Central time and 5 p.m. Western time. So don't say we don't look after all of you. Um, 
the winner of that game will then play the winner of Sweden v Japan. Sweden should beat Japan, but who knows? The home nation advantage might finally kind of kick into gear. On the other side of the bracket, we'll have that 2019 World Cup final rematch, the Netherlands taking on the US, so that will be very tasty. And then they'll play the winner of Canada v Brazil, which seems like, I don't know how to feel about that one. I, I can't, like, picture what's going to go down in that game, but... They're going to be fascinating. July 30th, all of the games will hopefully be available for you to watch. We'll find that out. But um, the one to, the one that this pod is going to be focusing on is obviously that Team GBV Australia game. So cannot wait for it. Um, but, yeah, thanks so much for tuning in today. We are on ESPN.com.au and the ESPN app. You can find us on Spotify, Google and Apple. Make sure to subscribe. You can listen back to some of our old episodes to get a feel for some of our opponents, Sweden and US uh, primarily, because they have progressed through to the next stages of the tournament. If you've liked what we've done, leave a review. It's very nice if that's what you feel like doing. Um, We're at the Far Post Pod on all social media, so have a chat to us there. But until next time, go Tillies and see us.